Good afternoon. The Solemnity of Christ the King is the last Sunday of the liturgical year. This is kind of like the New Year's Eve of the liturgical year. Everything that we've done during this period has pointed to the reality that Jesus Christ is the King of the universe. It's a relatively young feast instituted about a hundred years ago by Pope Bias XI in response to a militant spreading atheism that was trying to repress belief in Jesus and the church around the world. And as much as things change, much stays the same. We, see, we face the same struggles against militant atheism still today, which is why our bishops have called for prayer this week for the preservation of religious freedom in the United States and throughout the world. Simultaneously in the 1920s, communism was spreading, seeking to free people from the opium of faith in God. In Mexico, there was a revolution against the old order and leading to an anti-clerical persecution based on a similar militant atheism. Religious orders were suppressed and property confiscated, forcing the church to go underground. But the church cannot be stomped out. Priests like the martyr Father Miguel Pro, whose feast we celebrate on November to the 23rd this week, risk their lives donning disguises in order to comfort the dying and celebrate the sacraments at homes. They also taught faith to children and attended to the needs of the poor, and they did it also clandestinely. Father Miguel Pro was arrested and hastily brought before a firing squad, and as the soldiers raised their rifles and took aim, Father Miguel and Fadik's response was, Vivo Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. But frankly, as Miguel Pro took his place along a wall to be shot, didn't seem like Christ was the king at all. But in fact, he was, he was even though it didn't correspond to our idea of what a king's reign would look like. When Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, it had nothing to do with our expectations, of course. The last thing Jesus looked like as he hung upon the cross was a king. He was naked and bathed in blood, not clothed in royal garments. He was nailed to a cross, not seated on a throne. He was crowned with thorns, not with gold. And to ridicule him and humiliate the Jews, Pilate ordered that an inscription be placed above his head, as we heard in our gospel today. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Rather than pay him homage, the crowd mocked him. And for most Jews at the time, Jesus' crucifixion was proof perfect that Jesus was not the long-awaited Messiah King. As we heard in our first reading, we hear that Jews believed the Messiah would defeat all foreign powers. And just as when David marched into Jerusalem, the Jews anticipated the Messiah King would use his power to subjugate all those who opposed him, not take their abuse, and not die a horrible death on a cross, and to save his abusers, no less. The Romans were likewise unprepared and confused for a king like Jesus. When Pontius Pilate interrogated him, he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I not be handed over to the Jews. Then Pilate retorted, 
so you are a king. And Jesus replied by describing what type of king he was and what type of kingdom he was establishing. You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The Romans thought that kingship meant having the power to crucify or pardon. They thought the kingship was associated with force and fear. Jesus, however, said it was associated with truth and that the meek would inherit the earth. But Jesus says kingship wasn't lost on everyone, as we hear in our gospel today. Initially, joining in the mocking of Jesus, the criminal on Jesus' right, at that worst moment of his sinful life, had a change of heart. Despite his pain and suffering and struggling to breathe, the good thief was able to understand that for Jesus, to reign is to serve, to reign is to love, to reign is to give witness to the truth, and to reign is to forgive. The good thief grasped what almost everyone else was missing, that Jesus, mysteriously through his suffering and death, was not about to lose a kingdom, but establish one. He wasn't about to experience a shameful defeat, but a glorious triumph from the cross. And so, on that wind-blown, silent hill of Calvary, the good thief humbly says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was asking a dying man to remember him because he realized that the dying man would live on. And the king turned to him and promised that he would do more than just remember him, but take him into the eternal kingdom of paradise. We have to ask ourselves, is that what we want? Do we really want this king and his kingdom? We live in a day that also has false ideas about Jesus and many erroneous expectations about the kingdom of God he came to establish. We need to face this head on because when we pray, thy kingdom come, we need to know what the authentic kingdom looks like. For example, Christ the king said the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit. And yet so many of us, even those who call themselves followers of Jesus, we get sidetracked, setting our hearts not on spiritual poverty, but on riches, houses, cars, bigger salaries, and material things. Christ the King says that children of the kingdom are those who work to make peace. And yet so many, including those who call themselves disciples, spend far more time promoting violence rather than peace. I mean, just look at our video games, for example. Look at our movies. Christ the King says that only the merciful will find the mercy necessary to enter the kingdom. And yet so many, including those who pray every day, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, still hold grudges and seek to settle scores in life. Jesus Christ, our King, says that the pure of heart will see him reign. Yet so many of us today are engaged in impure relationships, pornography, and other practices. To enter his kingdom, Christ the King says, we need to be willing to be persecuted and hated because of him. And yet how often do we fall in our resolve to be a countercultural witness to Christ, desiring 
popularity and fame. In short, Christ the King says that his kingdom is a kingdom of truth and that everyone who is of the truth hears his voice. And to say, thy kingdom come, is to make a commitment to know the truth and to structure one's life around that truth because in the end, it is what sets us free. So as we prepare to receive Holy Communion, let us ask for what the good thief asked. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Of course, the kingdom begins now. He is alive and present on this altar, in the world, and in our lives. So let us ask Christ the King to grant us what we need so that we may always live in his kingdom.